My, uh, my girls and I have been playing a little game lately, this little tickle game where you ask each other, how do you raise your hand in school? You ever play that game, right? And you lift it up and someone bum rushes you and tickles, tickles your armpit. We need to change it though to how do you raise your hand in worship, don't you think? That'd probably be a better way to do it. Although some of you would never get tickled. That's the problem. Super excited for two weeks. We're going to begin a, a nine or ten week series, still kind of figuring out how to, how to wrap it up on uh, money, sex, and power. I was toying around with calling it Bounce Chicka Bow Wow. <laughs> what do you think? Would that make a good poster out on bowls? Hey, maybe we'll go with it then. But until then, we've got a couple of weeks left in our numbers series. Like I mentioned to you before, uh, this morning we're going to do something that's going to push you out of your comfort zone just a little bit. But I honestly think that what we're going to do together has the power to radically change some of your lives. Uh, radically change the trajectory that your life is on. Uh, I say that with great confidence because of the specific numbers that we're going to be looking at together this morning. Uh, This summer we've been in a sermon series entitled Numbers. Here's the gist. Our lives revolve around and are filled with, inundated with, if you will, by numbers, right? From the number of uh, different starting QBs the Broncos are going to have this year uh, to the number of inches of snow that we're going to have this year. From the number of gigabytes you have left on your data plan to the number of absences you have left at school. A lot of life and most of the important things in life boil down to the numbers. They revolve around numbers. That's also true for the Bible. Those little numbers that you see written on the top of each page and before each sentence, uh, those are known as chapters and verses. And although those numbers are seemingly small and insignificant, nothing could be further from the truth. Those are actually some of the most important numbers in existence. Sure, your social security number is important. I want you to know your driver's license number. You should probably have a good understanding of your bank account number. But these numbers, 316, 828, 1148, 2911, I want those numbers to be the biggest part of your life because those are the only numbers that can bring great purpose and meaning to your life. And the numbers uh, 420 are a big deal here in Colorado, so I've come to discover. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the numbers 320, Ephesians 320. Let me pray for us. God, Our cry thus thus far this morning has been that you would come in this place and meet us here. Speak to us, change us, transform us. Help us to see and understand and experience life like it was intended to be experienced. That's our cry now. Would you open our hearts, our minds, our eyes to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Some things, if you think about it, belong in a box. In my professional opinion, some things are actually better when they're in a box. Take, for example... Pizza. Pizza just belongs in a box, doesn't it? I mean, scientific studies have shown that pizza eaten out of a box tastes 26.7% better than pizza not eaten out of a box. And by scientific studies, I mean the thousands of pieces of pizza that I've eaten myself. This box was made to hold pizza. Another, Another thing that belongs in a box is white rice, and it belongs in this box. I mean, God made white rice to be contained and consumed and then taken home and reheated in this little container. After God created Adam and Eve, the next great pairing he made was white rice and Chinese takeout boxes. And the Lord saw that it was good. Very good. But it belongs in this box. Something else that belongs in a box is this baseball right here. This is just no ordinary baseball. 
This baseball is signed by the 1996 World Series MVP, John Wetland. Now that, that name probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but it means a whole lot to me. Uh, when I was a teenager, he was a really big deal. And not just because he was with the Yankees and won the World Series MVP, but because during the off-season, he would come every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. to the little cafe and bakery that I worked at. And when I discovered who he was, it took everything in me not to spill hot coffee over his lap. Actually, I threatened to spill hot coffee over his lap if he didn't sign a baseball for me. So here you go, I've got a baseball. And to keep it safe, to keep it uh, quality, I guess, you keep it in the box. It belongs in the box. The list goes on and on and on, church, of things that just belong in a box, that were designed and created to fit in a box. Legos, scrapbooking supplies, fishing tackle, important documents. They were designed and they are meant to be put in a box. But there are some things in this life that were never meant to be put in a box. And although that's true physically, now I'm talking a little bit more symbolically, even metaphorically. See, to put something in a box, metaphorically speaking, means that you are putting limitations or restrictions around that thing. Right? When you put something or someone in a box, you are intentionally or unintentionally putting boundaries, uh, borders, parameters around them. You are forcing this someone or this something to fit inside what you think it should fit inside of. You are making it fit to your preconceived ideas of what they are capable of, what is possible for them. And we can place these boundaries and assumptions in all kinds of different things, can't we? We can place a lot of things, metaphorically speaking, into a box. And it was recently brought to my attention that I put dogs in a box. Now, I don't literally put dogs in a box, so don't, don't call PETA on me this afternoon, all right? But I learned that outside of eating, sleeping, barking, and putting little yellow pea stains all over my perfectly green grass, dogs aren't capable of a whole lot. Then I saw these videos and everything changed. Watch this. You can count on me like one, two, three, I'll be there. And I know when I need it, I can count on you thought sit and stay were big accomplishments. I showed these videos to our little puppy copper and it's like, oh man, the bar is way higher than I ever thought it was going to be. So I, I always assumed that dogs can only do a few things, none of which were all that important or significant. Then I saw those videos. See, I put limits on dogs. I, in other words, put dogs in a box, if you will. And what I did with pets, a lot of us tend to do with people. It can be children, the homeless, the mentally disabled, the group of people on the other end of the political spectrum from you, even Raiders fans for that matter. It's easy to think, to believe, and to assume that certain people are always a certain way and only capable of certain things. Call these stereotypes, labels, call them pigeonholes. But when you make an assumption about someone, when you make an assumption about what they are capable of doing, what they can or cannot do, you are putting them in a box. And people don't belong in a box. And although we wouldn't actually admit to it, 
a lot of us actually put God in a box, don't we? Most of us have come to believe that God is only able, willing, or capable of doing certain things, but not others. This is based on our own experiences, our own understanding of things, our own comfort levels, possibly even our own disappointments and frustrations over the years, but we tend to box God in. We shrink him down to a size that we can manage and make sense of and manipulate. The Christian singer Natalie Grant just came out with a song the other day. I was on my way to Sonic for $1 cheese conies on Thursday, and I heard this song on the radio as I'm thinking about this sermon. I try to fit you in the walls inside my mind. I try to keep you safely in between the lines. I try to put you in the box that I've designed. I try to pull you down so we are eye to eye. She goes on to say, how can I make you so small when you're the one who's made it all? That's exactly what most of us do, isn't it? God is able to control the entire cosmos, yeah, sure, but concern himself with my problems, yeah, probably not. God is able to heal people back in the first century, but heal my mother-in-law with stage four cancer right now in the 21st century, yeah, it's not going to happen. God is able to forgive me of my sins and my shortcomings, but forgive the guy that shot up the club in Orlando, yeah, not possible. God's able to provide for me and my family, my needs, but cure global hunger and the global water crisis, not so confident that's going to happen. God is able to help the Broncos win the Super Bowl, but help the Rockies win the World Series, no chance. I mean, even God can only do so much. Whether we realize it or not, we tend to box God in. We assume that, that we know all about him that he fits nicely into this little container and he never does anything outside of this and never breaks open the mold, never, never acts in a way that isn't in accordance with what I believe to be true about him. We box him in. There's a great book out there written by a guy named Bruce Ware. The book is called Their God is Too Small. And he's talking specifically about a group of people with a, with a certain theology, but that statement is true for all of us. No matter how many or how massive your God is, no matter how insignificant or indescribable the Lord of your life is, guess what? He's bigger still. He is bigger still. No matter how much you think he can do, he can always do more. There is not a box physically or metaphorically speaking, that can contain our God. Amen? That's where our numbers 320 come into play. I chose an easy one for y'all this because some of you are like, there's no way it can be Ephesians 320. That's just too easy. No, that was it. Ephesians 320. Well done to Kat for guessing that one for us this week. Ephesians 3.20 speaks to all of this. These numbers, what I want you to see every time you, you, you read these numbers now, even in your Bible now, you could write next to Ephesians 3.20, dog videos. This is the Bible's version of those dog videos. Oh, oh you think God is only capable of, of this? Oh, you think dogs can only do that? Well, let me show you something. Read this with me now, Ephesians 3, 20-21. Read it out loud. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now read it like that's the living word of God and not the Sunday morning paper, okay? Now to him 
who is able to do, come on church, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, along with John 3.16, these verses basically summarize the entire biblical narrative. Because if the Bible teaches us anything, it teaches us this. Do not limit the Lord. Do not limit the Lord. Just ask Abraham. From not having any kids to having more descendants than the stars in the sky. Do not limit the Lord. Just ask the Israelite army. Instead of raising their swords or their spears against their enemies, they just had to raise their voices and raise a few trumpets. Walls down, war over. Don't limit the Lord. Just ask Esther. From hoping the king would spare her life to being the the one responsible for sparing every Jewish life. Don't limit the Lord. Just ask Ruth. From being some no-named widow to being the the great-grandmother of King David and the forerunner for Jesus himself. Don't limit the Lord. Just ask the boy who brought his sack lunch to Jesus. Maybe you could feed a few people with this Jesus. Oh, and suddenly 5,000 men, let alone women and children, are being fed and nourished through his meal. Why? Because you don't limit the Lord. Just ask the disciples. They wanted a Messiah who would deliver them from the Romans and give them more power on the earth. They got a Messiah who delivered them from hell and gave them power over the earth. You know why? Because you don't limit the Lord. Go through scripture, you'll see that God excels at doing exceedingly more than people thought he was capable of. Time and time and time again, when people placed limits or boundaries on what was possible, God said, oh, really? Really? When people assumed that given the situation, given what he had to work with, given the odds, God could only do this much. He could only operate within these parameters. God did so much more. Now, this is hard to believe, and here's why. Because a lot of us have heard a fisherman say, I caught a fish one time that was this big. Like, yeah, right, no, you didn't. You have reason to not believe that individual, but when you hear a God story and God says, I did something this big, you have every reason to believe it. Because not only can he, but that's exactly what he does. Our God is able to do far more, immeasurably more, so much more than we could ask or imagine. And this hope, this this promise, this truth of more, this is yours to claim. This is true for you. The same God that gave Abraham countless children, the same God that, that toppled the walls of Jericho with a jazz band, the same God who overcame death itself, The same God who has proven to be so much bigger, so much better than any little box you put him in. He's your God. He wants to be your God. He wants the power and the promise of blowing up those boxes to be true in your life. Not just for the lives of those in this book. You see, the story continues. And it's being written in your life. And that God is your God. He's the God we sang about being here today. That's why I love what Paul says, according to the power that is at work in us, not them, 
not the pastors, not the paid professionals, not those who have it all figured out, not those who lived long ago, not those who come to church three out of four weeks out of a Sunday, although I wish you would do that. Not them, not out there, according, the promise according to the power in us. Right here, West Bowles Community Church, in us. The great God of the universe who does immeasurably more wants to do more for each and every one of us. And I love that phrase, immeasurably more. Because a lot of issues, a lot of our worries, a lot of our fears, they can be measured, can't they? And that's part of the problem. Our finances or lack thereof can be measured. Our health or lack thereof can be measured. Our years alone can be measured. The amount of child support we should be receiving from our ex can be measured. Our failing grade, our underperformance, our losses, our mistakes, they can all be measured. And our family right now is dealing with this very thing. There are a lot of measurements when it comes to my mother-in-law who is in her final days on the earth. We can measure her cancer numbers, we can measure her weight, we can measure her calorie intake, we can measure her temperature, her white blood cells, her morphine dosage, we can measure a lot of things, and none of those measurements look good. But according to 320, you cannot, nor would you ever be able to measure what God can do. You can never measure that. You can never calculate or make sense of what God is capable of. It's not too good to be true, church. It's too good to be measured. Are you with me? It's too good to be measured. And to be honest with you, I lost sight of that for a little while in this journey, in this battle we've been fighting with cancer. I lost sight of the power. I lost sight of the, sight of the promise of this verse of 320. See, a few months ago, I just gave up hope. I just kind of gave up my, my confidence in the Lord. It's like, you haven't healed her yet, so therefore you're not going to heal her. What did I do? I put God in a box. I just put God in a box. I assumed that since he hadn't, he wasn't going to ever do it. I put restrictions on him. I limited the Lord. I put God in a box. But if you read through the scripture, and the Lord kept doing this to me, it was like, I'd be reading a devo and he slapped me in the head, right? It's so good you want to slap your pastor. You're right, the Lord did this week. Never once did God rebuke someone for having too much faith in him. Never once did he rebuke somebody for having too much faith. Never once did he say, you, you think I can do that? Never once did he say, you, you think I can fix this? What gave you that fanciful idea? Where'd you come up with that grandiose thought? I can't do that, and you never should have thought that I could have. Did he ever say that? No, never once did he rebuke somebody for too much faith. What did he rebuke them for? Not enough. But more than that, he praised people. He exalted and echoed and etched into eternity through the scripture people who had amazing faith. There's a Canaanite woman in Matthew 15. She believes that the crumbs from his table can heal her daughter. Jesus says, what amazing faith. There's a centurion soldier in Matthew 8 who believes a simple word from his mouth can heal his servant. There are so many times when Jesus' response to somebody was like this. What? What? You believe it? You actually believe it? 
Thank you, because you serve a big God, and therefore it demands that you ask for big things, and you believe and have a big faith. So I don't know what this looks like for you. I don't know what 320 looks like for you. I know what it looks like for me. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep believing that with Vicki, my mother-in-law, she's going to be healed, because with God, it is possible. I'm going to ask that and, and believe that her health can be restored, because with God, it is possible. I'm going to keep asking and believing that he will spare her life and give her more time on this side of the grave because with God, it is possible. But here's the thing. 320, the power of this verse, the truth behind this verse, it is true whether I see it or not. It is true whether it plays out the way that I want it to or not. God is not only able to do greater things, he will do greater things. Saying he's able and might is one thing. Saying he will and always does is another. So for Vicky, immeasurable things, they're going to happen. You with me? Immeasurable things are in her future. They are part of her destiny. Maybe it's on this side of the grave. Maybe it's on the other. She will walk in complete health, whether here or now or in heaven. She will be freed from pain and cancer on the earth or for all of eternity. She will be with us or she will be with him. Those are greater things. It can be greater here or it can be greater there. But regardless, it will be greater immeasurably greater. Shoot, I've been off three weeks. Sorry, y'all. I'm getting all fiery, all crazy. That's not a a cop-out, but to say a co-op. It's not a co-op either. It's not a cop-out or a crutch to say that. That's what it means to have faith in the living God, that I want greater now, and so I'm going to ask for greater now, because with God, greater is possible now. But I'm going to trust in a God who will say, don't worry, I'll take care of greater then too. Greater's coming. Immeasurably greater. So 320, it gives us the right. It gives us a reason to believe that with God, all things are possible. Things that don't make sense. Things that don't look likely. Things that aren't feasible. Things that don't measure up. Because he can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. But here's the thing. If he can do more than we ask, don't you, don't you think we should ask? It seems as if the limitation of the Lord is based on our ask. So ask. Ask away. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to run a little bit late. I'm sorry. You know, uh, Denny's can wait. I want us to ask the great God of the universe to do great things for us for this church, for those we love, and for those in this community. You with me? So here in a minute, I'm going to have you stand up if you fall into a certain category. And I know this is going to be a little weird and it's going to feel a little bit awkward, but I need you to do it. I need you to get over yourself, okay? And I need you to to, to try this. If you or someone you know is sick right now, if you are dealing with a major physical ailment of some sort, I want you to stand up. Thank you. I was so worried all week no one was going to stand up. And I'm like, I don't know what to do now. It could be cancer, a sickness, chronic pain, fatigue. You're standing right now. Now I want everybody who is sitting down around, I want you to stand as well. And I want you to place your hands on these individuals. You have to move, then move. 
I want you for the next 30 to 45 seconds to pray out loud or to pray silently over the person that you are touching. And I want you to ask for the power of 320 to be manifested in their life. I want you to ask God to do immeasurably more for this person when it comes to their health and their well-being. Pray over this person now, the promise of 320. Go ahead. God, we ask for the promise of 320 to be manifested in every person who was originally standing in this room. Sickness, disease, fatigue, pain. We pray you will do great good in their life. A greater good than we're even asking for now. We're asking for big things. We're asking for healing, for freedom, and for release. Do greater things than that. Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. All right. If you or someone you know is experiencing a financial hardship right now, I'd like you to stand up. This could be a job loss. All the teens stand up, that's funny. Okay, we'll pray for you guys, we'll get it, we'll get it. It could be insurmountable debt. It could be massive materialism. It could be a lawsuit against you. It could be the inability to make ends meet. I just want you to stand up. Church, now I want you to stand up again around these individuals and I want you to pray for immeasurably greater things to happen in this person's life as it pertains to their finances. If you have to move and find somebody, please do that. Again, take the next 30 seconds or so. Pray over this person and their finances. Go ahead.
God, we come before you now on behalf of those in this room who are struggling financially, who've experienced a job loss, who've experienced a loss of some sort, God, who are struggling to make ends meet, who don't see the end of the, of the debt pile, Lord, who just want to get out of materialistic worldview. We just pray for them, God. Would you do immeasurably more than we're asking for in this moment? And we're asking for big things, God. We're asking for freedom. We're asking for financial peace, security, abundance. Would you give them more than we're asking for now, God? Make it so. You are the God who can do this. And so we ask you to do it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, go ahead and grab a seat. If you or someone you know is dealing with a difficulty in a relationship, maybe some sort of relational discord, be with a, a child, a parent, a spouse, a coworker. If, uh, if you and somebody that you know or are close to are just at it, would you please stand up for us right now? It could be tension, it could be hatred, it could be animosity. I just want you to stand. Church, you know the drill. Let's go ahead and stand with them and ask God to do immeasurably more than we're able to even imagine. Help there to be restoration in these relationships. Let's pray that now. Father, ever since the garden, our relationships with one another have been on the rocks. And we pray now that you will repair and redeem and restore the relationships that are represented here, that are broken and failing, that are at odds with one another, God. We pray that you will do immeasurably greater things than we're asking, and we're asking for great things, God. We're asking for healing, forgiveness. We're asking for peace and joy to be in these homes and in these workplaces, in these classrooms, God. Do greater things than even that in these people's lives. Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's do one more. Go ahead and grab a seat. If you or someone you know is stuck in a sin or battling against an addiction or a vice, a temptation of some sort, something you just can't seem to overcome, something that Satan is just getting the better of you with, would you go ahead and stand up for us right now? If you can't seem to just get through or get over 
or get past this one thing, go ahead and stand for us. One last time, church, would you stand with these folks and pray that God would do immeasurably greater things in this person's battle against sin and Satan and temptation. Make it so. Let's pray now. Father, your word describes sin as that which easily entangles us, which enslaves and and chains us up, God. And some of us are are really in that moment right now. We feel the chains and the burden that sin is placing on our lives. God, we just ask for you to, to free us, to forgive us of those things. Help us to walk in righteousness and purity and in truth, God. Help us to overcome the vices and the temptations that are all around us. And help us to be like Jesus, who though tempted in every way, never sinned. God, we pray that these folks that were standing so courageously before will experience you and your Holy Spirit and your empowerment in ways they had never have before. And we pray for even greater things than that because you're capable. Yeah, make it so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat for me, church. I said there was the last ones, but honestly, I feel like saying if you, if you didn't stand up for anything before, you think you got it all together, why don't you go ahead and stand up right now so we can pray for you. You probably need more prayers than anybody else in here. Church, I don't know if you have any idea what you just did, but you just took your God out of the box. You just took him out of the box. You just asked him. You just gave him permission to do what only he can do. See, our God has promised to do more than you asked for over the last 10 minutes or so. And that's why I'm so proud of you for asking. That's why I want to challenge you this week to keep asking. Because he's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. See, pizza and rice and autographed baseballs, they belong in a box. But God does not. So according to 320, I want you not to just take them out of the box this morning. I want you to take them out of the box in your life, in your own prayer life, at home, with your family. Take God out of the box. He wants to do more for you and more through you than you can even imagine. You just got to let him out of the box. You just got to ask and believe that it's possible. So let me pray this out.
and we'll get you to Denny's. Sorry, I don't know why I said Denny's. I just like Denny's. But... Father, there is no God like you on heaven, in heaven above or earth below. All the other gods demand things from us. We have to appease them, make sacrifices to them, try to live a life that, that, that pleases them to earn their favor and to earn their power and to have them move in our lives. You are not like that. You are a God who comes to us when we are weak and we are broken. You are a God who moves on our behalf when we can't even ask you to move on our behalf. There is no God like you. You love us so much that you will do more than we're even asking, God. You will do far greater things for us than we can even imagine. And we can imagine a lot of great things. But there is greater things. There are greater things in store for each and every one of us in this room. Whether it's depression, anxiety, fear, sin, pornography, divorce, abortion. God, whatever it is that's weighing us down, loneliness, sadness, regret, the future, financial debts, relational discord. God, you can fix that. You can make that better. You can make that whole. You can do great things in that environment. And so we ask now that you will do great things through this church and that the entire city will take notice. And that as it was in in this first century when people said, those folks, those folks have been with Jesus, that would be said of us. Make it so. We love you, God, and we thank you for this morning together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Have an amazing week. Be strong and courageous. God bless you.